Thank you for joining us here at Dominion Life Church for another inspired teaching from God's Holy Scriptures. We expect that this teaching will encourage, challenge, and strengthen you in your life. Now, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know what the hope of His calling is for you. Without further delay, enjoy the teaching. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, we're going to get right into the Word of God. I'm going to uh, pick up where we left off last week and um, talking about the kingdom of God. Last week I talked about the, um, this gospel of the kingdom. Jesus uh, was, was talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God and how he said that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached and then the end will come. And we talked about is the gospel that is being preached today the gospel that Jesus taught? Um, and we know that the gospel that the disciples were given wasn't necessarily the gospel uh, that Paul would preach at times, you know, Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. Um, because what Jesus had given the disciples um, wasn't the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It was actually something different. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. But we know that uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as time went on, as disciples came along, um, or after Jesus ascended, after he was raised from the dead, we, we do see that it d did begin to include the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark's gospel is really written uh, for that reality. It's, it's, it's to show the, the, the reality of who Jesus is, who he said he was, and, and all that he did, and that's why his is a little bit more condensed. It's more of just like a, let's get in it, like right to action type of gospel, and so but we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. We talked about that particular gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of God and what that looks like. It's, we're talking about the dominion, the reign, the, the royal power of the Lord and, and how that is now here, that it is we're in the midst of it. It is in us. It is upon us. We're called to, to release it. We're called to live in it. We're called to think from that place. Um, and it's, it's amazing because one of the, the, the uh, adjectives or descriptors of the kingdom is dominion. And, you know, if you look behind me, the word dominion is up on the wall. Uh, we're called to live that dominion life, that kingdom life. And so it's, it's more than just a place. And that's, that was, I think, what caused a lot of the, uh, the, the Jewish uh, believers or Jewish disciples or even the people of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and lawyers and, and those who were watching. And uh, I think that's probably where they stumbled is because uh, they were expecting a physical kingdom, a literal physical kingdom like David had, where David reigned as king. But how many of you know that although David was a man after God's own heart and that there were kings uh, and judges that were put into place, how many, how many of you guys know that God wanted to be king for his people? And it was actually the people who cried out and said, give us a king. Give us a king to rule over us like the other nations. And then the Lord said, okay, I'll raise up a king. I'll give you the king that you deserve. And he gave him the first king, which was Saul. And we all know how that turned out. So we know that when Jesus comes back, he's, 
he's not going to yet establish a physical kingdom. We know that that will happen. We know that he will establish a physical kingdom. We know that Jesus will reign and rule. That's why he's called kings and king of kings and lord of lords, that he will rule the earth. It says that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And it talks about in Revelation, how the book of Revelation, how, how, how the new Jerusalem will, will descend from heaven and that, that we will basically cover the earth, that we will rule as kings and priests uh, unto our God here on the earth. Um, and it says that there will be no more, no pain, no tears, nor uh, none of that stuff will exist anymore, that there's going to be no need for the sun or the moon um, because the Lord will illuminate uh, the earth. And so that's going to be an exciting time. But what Jesus is specifically talking about here, the kingdom, is he's talking about his authority, his rule, his royal power, his dominion, uh, which is established here and now through us. Amen? And so that is what we're coming to understand. That's what we're pressing into. And I think a lot of people still believe... um, well, the, the, I've, I've heard this term that the kingdom is here, but not yet in fullness. That's not what Jesus taught. He, he said the kingdom of God is here. It's in you. He didn't say it's not yet in fullness. Now, again, they're thinking the way um, the scribes and Pharisees are thinking in terms of the literal physical kingdom of God being established, right? But no, I mean, we, we, he has not giving, given us anything uh, in measure. It's actually Jesus who says that, that the Father does not give the Spirit by measure. He doesn't give it in, by measure. He's, he's pulled out the fullness. He's given us the fullness. It even says that if we know the love, to comprehend the love of, of Christ that surpasses knowledge is to be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's not held anything back from us. And that's why he's even given us the mind of Christ so that we may know and understand that we can operate in the fullness of the kingdom of God here and now. And so we're learning how to press into that. We're learning how not to to look with our eyes and to judge with our thoughts and our earthly logic and how to to see beyond that and to see the reality of, of, of of the fullness of God's kingdom, his royal dominion and power for us here today. But when we're talking about the kingdom of God, I think it's really important to let Jesus unpack for us what he's talking about. And so many times, especially in the book of Matthew, book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, not really that much in John, um, does Jesus talk about the kingdom, the kingdom. What is the kingdom? What is the kingdom like? And he uses all these parables to explain to us what is the kingdom. You know, and and I think it would be wise if we're talking about God's rule, God's reign, his royal power, uh, his his kingdom come. He taught us to pray what thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So no different. Right. That which we are called to to see to come here on earth is to be no different than it as it as it is in heaven. And that's really powerful if we allow our. Our, our faith eyes to, to, to see and our faith mind to comprehend that. As it is in heaven, so it is here on earth. And you even see 1 John, uh, the, the, John the Beloved, using kind of that same um, 
I guess he's consistent with that same type of, of, of kingdom logic when he says, um, beloved, uh, or has, has, I'm trying to remember how he starts it. Uh, I don't know if it's, yeah. Uh, love has been perfected among us in this, that as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. So it's as he is, as it is in heaven, so it is here on earth. Um, but it's important for us to let Jesus unpack a little bit um, or not just a little bit, but unpack the truth of, of what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the kingdom of God is like. And so if you turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13, we're going to get into that. I'm going to read about the parables of the kingdom Starting of verse three, it says, then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places um, where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you see the same um, there's a response that Jesus has um, following this, this, uh, this parable because um, the disciples come to him after the fact and they say, um, you know, uh, why do you speak to us in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? And he says, says to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Uh, For whoever has to him more will be given, right? So he's given you these mysteries and that which you have, he's going to give you more. To whoever has, more will be given. Um, And whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will not hear. Uh, uh, hearing you will hear and shall not understand seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them so there's something very important that we need to see here in what Jesus is saying uh, we'll go back and we'll, we'll unpack um, all we'll actually let Jesus unpack what that parable he just talked about means but I've, I've heard people come here or not come here but I've heard people take this passage and say you say see there's things that Jesus just hides from people there's things that Jesus doesn't just doesn't want Want people to know, and I don't believe that's a, that that is what Jesus is saying here. I believe what Jesus is saying here is that the reality. Well, it's what Isaiah prophesied. It says that 
they have closed their eyes. It didn't say that Jesus closed their eyes. It didn't say that the Father closed their eyes. It says they closed their eyes. And it says, lest they should see with their eyes. And it says, they, they, their hearts have grown dull. And their ears are hard of hearing. Now, this is something that they have, the people have done. It's something the people have done. They've allowed their hearts to grow cold. They've allowed their ears to grow dull, right? Because later, right before this, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So if somebody comes up and he's like, listen, I'm trying to hear you. I want to hear you. And Jesus is not like, no, it's not for you. It's just for the disciples. That's not what's happening here. And I've heard people teach it that way. Like, no, no, Jesus doesn't want anyone to know what he's saying except for the disciples. But I'll actually show you where the disciples didn't even know what he was saying. The disciples did not even understand uh, uh, some, of, some of the parables or at least one of the parables. But I, and, and we'll see Jesus's response. But I believe um, what Jesus desired and what the people lacked to do of his day, many of them, was come to him. Was, was to come to him. So he's speaking in parables so that they come back and go, hey, what does that mean? Because it was meant to draw them to him. Remember what Jesus says to the, to the Pharisees about searching the scriptures? He says, listen, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But they are that which speak of me. But you have not come to me that you would have eternal life. So the scriptures, old and new, are all meant to point to Jesus, that we might come to him. See, the life of Jesus, his desire is consistent with scripture. He's not saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting you down. You know, it's, it's, it's a prophecy that is built on the reality of where the people are. It's, it's just, it's where the people are. And it's, it's unfortunate. In Mark 4, 11, um, it's, it's centered around the same parable. It says this, um, uh, Jesus said to them, because they asked the question, it says, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may... Uh, see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said this, uh, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So it's interesting that Jesus is saying that um, it's important that you guys get locked into what I'm saying because something about understanding this parable will open up your heart to understand all the parables. And again, he's speaking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so in verse 19, Jesus begins to explain what the kingdom of God is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so listen, he's, he's, he's explaining the very thing by which we are called to preach, the very, very thing by which we are called to press into, the very thing by which is within us, okay? He's, he's, he's about to explain it out. This is the reality of what the kingdom of heaven is like. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So there's something that's very interesting here. 
It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, right? That's why the proverb says, in all you're getting, get understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding, because it's important to understand. It says, so because he doesn't understand it, the wicked one comes, Satan comes, and he snatches the seed away from them. But it's interesting. What's really interesting is that every one of these soils, if you can call it that, um, received the seed. That's what he says. They, they all received, but each of them had a different result. So it says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Man, there are people that just get on fire, you know? They're like, yeah, this is awesome, you know? And that's good. That's good. I don't think Jesus is knocking that. But he's, but he's saying, listen, remember this part. Yet he has no root in himself. Has no root in himself. Which is really interesting to me because I would, I would, you would think he would say something like to the effect, you know, he uh, has had no root in the word. You know, and you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But he says, no, he had no root in himself, that there was something lacking in his, his own character, whether it be discipline, whether it be steadfastness, it, it was lacking and he had no root in himself so that he could not endure. So listen, it says he had no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that he who desires to live a godly life will suffer persecution. So if, if you're living godly, if you're living righteous, persecution will come. But if you have root in yourself, now listen, it, it is a godly good thing. There's, there's, there's passages that talk about being rooted and grounded in the word. But it, I'm just, I was just, when I said that, I was making a distinction that Jesus says, root in yourself. May, meaning you have to supply what is necessary to endure. God does his part. That's right, that's right. Because listen, there are Christians who have the Holy Spirit, who have the word of God, but have no perseverance, no endurance. And their character is all over the map. I mean, my heart goes out, but, and I'm not but. However, you know, you, you hear some of the stories of, of pastors that have failed. I mean, major frontline ministers, apologists, I mean, just these men have been, some of them, staples in Christian faith. And you hear about some of these, these they're not even accusations, they're, it's realities of things that they allowed themselves to get into. And you're like, wow. And that person had no less Holy Spirit than any of us. No less the Word than any of us. But the, my question is, did, they, did he have root in himself? Did he or she have root in himself? And it's like, man, you hear these. I was watching a video last night um, surrounding uh, one particular uh, man of faith, and it just broke my heart. When you just hear, heard the, 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 just the, the, the level of sin this, this man was in, and yet, I mean, I used to listen to him when I was younger, and I thought, oh man, this guy, wow. And listen, it didn't take away from 
you know, the impact that he did make in the body of Christ. But it's like Paul says, like, man, I disciplined my body so that at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I won't be discredited or discounted. You know, and, and you see these things and these stories of, you know, hundreds of people now coming forward and testifying of, of uh, these accusations, which are, are unfortunately true. And it's just like, wow, you never would have known. I never would have thought, you know, but it's, it's because, you no, know, I, I bring that up to say th- th- these people had no less of what we all have. But something, they were missing something. They were missing something. And I, I, I can't necessarily speak to every person, to every situation, what that was. But I will say that it seems that they didn't have root in themselves. Because when temptation came, they, they, they faltered and they fell. You know, we have the privileged position to, to be rooted and grounded uh, not only in the word, which is, primarily most important, but even within ourselves to say, you know what? Listen, no, I will not compromise. I will, I will endure. I will stand strong. I will keep my vows. I will be a man or a woman of holiness. You have the privilege to do that. I mean, there's a lot of people that are not believers that have root in themselves and they will not compromise in certain areas and certain things. You know, extremely moral because they have root in themselves. But the unfortunate thing is that they have not received the free gift of salvation, so their sins still will be counted against them. And the wrath of God abides on them. And that's where we come in. That's where the gospel of the kingdom comes in. I mean, Jesus even knows this. He told that one person, he said, listen, you're not far from the kingdom. You're not far from the kingdom. But the one thing that, that, that the person was lacking was to follow Jesus. So having root in yourself because of the word's sake. Remember, persecution will come because of the word. Persecution will come because of the word. Because the enemy does not want the word to grow in your life. He does not want the word to flourish in your life. And so some, we have to be careful that we do not help him. You know, one of the... the, 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 the I guess most impactful real life stories um, that I, I've heard someone share about this reality, about guarding the word, about guarding uh, what we say or what we do is a, is, is a man of God who was gardening and, and uh, he was working in his garden and uh, he had planted his beans and it was a bit colder than normal and he didn't see it and that wasn't normal for his garden because he's a man of God and he knows his garden is blessed and what he sows will prosper, right? So he's just like, this ain't right. This ain't, this ain't Jesus. I'm not, he didn't see his stuff come up. And, and so he'd been, been thinking about it, thinking about it. Finally, he got down and started digging and he uprooted one of his beans. It, it was growing and he pulled up the taproot. And when you pull up the taproot, it's, there's, there's nothing you can do. It's dead. And he said, the Lord spoke to him. And he said, my people do this all the time. The seed has been sowed. It's growing. But they're looking with their eyes on what, not, what is not happening. And then, then they get down with their logic and they try to dig up either with their words or with their actions that which is growing. And they, pull, they, 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 they yank it out. They're uprooting 
that which is growing because they're looking with their eyes and they're judging with their minds. And we have to stay away from that because the persecution will come because of the word's sake. But we won't be those that, that stumble immediately or stumble at all. Amen? Amen? Verse 22, it says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the, deceitful, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. That's really interesting. There are some of us who get born again and get saved and we're in thorny situations, right? We're in thorny situations. We're, we're, we're in, 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 in interesting circumstances. <clears throat> but we, we must guard our hearts to not allow the cares of this world to pull us away from the reality of the gospel. Because it says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. So the word was growing, but it was choked by the deceitfulness of riches and by the cares of this world. That's why we need to learn how to to, to have the balance, you know, where we, we, we were able to be kingdom ambassadors and to care for the world around us, but not let the cares of the world stop us or choke us or keep us down. And that's why Paul, you know, he, he Paul really, he kind of goes after it. Um, and you have to understand and, and read it in context and see it through the lens of Jesus Christ. But he's talking about, you know, those uh, who are married, you know, uh, care about the things of the world, how they may please their spouse. It's interesting that he uses that language. He says, cares about the things of the Lord. He said, but those who are not married care about the things of the Lord, how they may please the Lord. That's their primary focus. Pretty much almost their only focus. How can I please my father? Now, I'm not saying married people can't do that, but the reality is there's so many other, especially if you got kids, there's so many other things that you can be concerned or, care, or, or worried about. But we, you know that we're not called to worry, Amen. We're called to cast all our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. We're called to be anxious for nothing. Amen? But with, with prayer and supplication, we make a request known. And it says, and the peace of God will guard our hearts. Amen? And so there's the reality of, of, of working at how to, I guess, how to live in the kingdom how to, 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 especially if, if you're married with kids, how to, how to care for those things, but how to make Christ and his kingdom primary above them all. You know, it, Jesus says, you know, seek first the kingdom. I mean, he has, I mean, we talked about this last week. There's a list that he says, listen, he who does not love less, this list, and on this list are all the things that we, we a lot of people are saved for for the blessing of that list. And he says, listen, if you don't love me more than you love this list, you're not worthy of me, nor are you worthy of the gospel. Those are Jesus' words. The compassionate Savior, the one who is love. It's because I think throughout time, we've learned to care about things that probably we shouldn't. In, in conjunction or in comparison to the things we ought to care about most. 
to that which matters most, which is the kingdom of heaven, which is the king in the kingdom. And so it's about reordering, reordering the things that mean most to us, the things that take precedence in our hearts and priority in our lives. And so um, you, see, you see Job, right? Job was called a man of righteousness. God called Job a righteous man. He said, there's nobody like him on the earth. I mean, that's pretty high praise. I mean, that'd be awesome. I mean, have you considered Aaron? There's nobody like him on the earth. I mean, like, whoa. <laughs> that's pretty high praise, right? And, and, and yet, Job not only did he fear the Lord, but, but there, were, there were fears in his heart. And when everything came down, it says the thing that he feared the most came upon him. His cares and his worries for his children's sake. The things that he feared the most came upon him. And that's why I'm not saying we don't care. I'm saying we put our cares in proper order. Amen? Why? Because there's a great caution that those cares can choke the word of God. There's people who have a great call and destiny on their life and they pull back because of something that happened in their family. They pull back because of a a child or because of a loved one or because of a spouse. I know a man of God who... His, it, it seemed as though his family was in derision for eight years. And he continued to faithfully preach the gospel. And you know what happened? Salvation came to his home. Amen. His wife, who was in depression and, and wouldn't go to church, actually, it almost ended up killing her. And you know what? It, it, here's, here's what's crazy. She would say to herself, If I were to die, it would be better for him because I'm holding him back. That's what she would say. And then she got deathly ill just out of nowhere. And as a man and a man of faith, I mean, you would not you you couldn't tell in this man's life that this is this what was he was going through. You couldn't tell that his his wife was on uh, life support, possibly brain dead. Doctors saying that there's nothing they could do. You, you wouldn't know that his kids were, were, were living wayward because he was unchanged. None of that stuff has the ability to change the truth of the gospel. None of that has the ability to change his destiny, his legacy, and his calling. Because those things are in proper priority. But he faithfully prayed over his family and just believed the best and would call out who they were. And then he goes uh, to, the, uh, to the emergency room and walks in and the, 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 the doctor gives him the spiel of, oh, you know, this is what it's going to be and uh, there's not much we can do. And he said, listen, listen, you know, that's, that's your bag. That's your thing. Um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but he says, let me tell you, doctor, what's going to happen. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to lay my hands on my wife and I'm going to command her to come up out of this coma and she's going to be healed. And the doctor was like, well, you need to face reality. He goes, you've missed everything that I've said. I have faced reality. This is reality. 
the kingdom of God is, is, is coming in and, and we're going to go in there. So he goes in there. Not, oh God, what, what am I going to do? No, he goes in there, pops open his, wife, his wife's eyes and says, hey, your boys are here to see you and we're here to wake you up from this nap. Man. Prays the 22nd prayer and walks out. Goes and lives life as normal. Lives life as normal. Because the tribulations and the trials, the cares of the world, the issues that are going around him has no, should have no ability to change the gospel, change the kingdom, change your destiny, change your calling. Shouldn't. There should be only one that, that has the, the ability to determine to dictate that. So goes home and gets a call the next day, or I, I want to say like a few hours. And the doctor said, it's miraculous. Your wife opened up her eyes. She's awake. Um, you need to come in. So he drives on in and goes to see her. And the doctor meets him. And the doctor's like, you know, it's, it, it's amazing. She's awake. She's awake. And he, and he goes, thank you, doctor. Thank you. He goes, no, 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 no. Stop. And the doctor's crying. He goes, we didn't do this. We didn't do this. Don't thank me. <laughs> and he's like, well, thank you, doctor. I mean, you, you kept her safe and warm and, you know, um, but the Lord raised her up. And it was, here's what's amazing. She, he goes in there and he, he's talking to her and, 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 you know, and he's telling her, yeah, we came to see you. We, we laid hands and we prayed and God is faithful. And they ran all the scans and everything came back completely normal. And uh, she, uh, she says to him, um, she starts weeping and he's, he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she says, she says to him, um, you didn't let me go. And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, you didn't let me go because she was convinced that she was a burden to him. And because she had spoken, it would be better for him if I died. The enemy came in and, and took advantage of that situation and when she saw that he was there at her bedside, praying her back, believing her back, it, it, it broke something in her. She's like, you, you didn't let me go. Said, of course not. I made a covenant with you. You're my wife. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. The two shall become one. If, if I don't love you, if I don't love you, it means I don't love myself, according to Scripture. If I don't love you, it means I don't love me. So, of course. And she goes, you, you didn't let me go. No, no, we have purpose. We have legacy. We have destiny. And it, it broke her out of that eight-year cycle. But you would have known. Nobody would have known that that's what he was going through. Why? Because the cares of the world had no authority to choke the word in his life. No authority to choke the word in his life. Verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. He who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. That's where we want to be. 
That's where we want to be. Amen? Amen. Those who receive the seed on good ground. But you know what? That's your job. That's my job. That's our job. Our job is to make sure our hearts are good soil. To make sure that we have, that we seek understanding. To make sure we have root in ourselves so that when we receive the word, the cares of the world don't choke it out, that we don't go after the riches of the world, the, rich, the, the deceitfulness of riches, mammon, all those things, so that we, we don't become unfruitful, so that we don't stumble, that our hearts are not stony or hard. The Bible talks about uh, um, the children of Israel and how they could not inherit God's rest. They could not enter into God's rest because they had an evil heart of unbelief. They had stony hearts. God is, Jesus is saying, listen, the kingdom of heaven, this is the reality of the kingdom of heaven. There should be only one type of heart for those who are kingdom people. And it's the heart that is good soil. It's the heart that is good ground. It's the heart that seeks to understand, that seeks understanding. That comes back and says, Jesus, explain this to me. Holy Spirit, the one who leads me and guides me into all truth, illuminate the eyes of my understanding so so that I may know. That's the good ground. There, there, there should be only one type of ground for kingdom people. Yeah. And it's our job to, to till it. It's our job to, to cultivate it. It's our job to guard it. Guard your heart above all else. From out of it flow the issues of life. Because God wants us to bear fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to endure. A hundredfold, 60, 30. That's what God desires. That's what he wants from us. To bear fruit. To bear much fruit. God is in the fruit bearing business. Amen? Amen. And he wants you to bear fruit. It says in this, he's glorified that we bear much fruit. He sent us here to bear fruit. He sent us here. And the fruit is obviously the things of the kingdom. The fruit is the works. The works of God. What must must we do to work the works of God? The work of God is to believe. If you believe, you can work the works of God. But we have to be sure that our hearts are far away from the, the other three types of soils, that we have to watch, about, watch out about the cares of the world. We have to watch out about uh, our heart becoming stony. Or we have to watch out that we don't, do not lack understanding. Or I would say it this way. It's probably a better way to say it. We have to be careful or we have to encourage ourselves and put ourselves in the position to always seek understanding from the right source, from the right place, the Lord. To be men and women of understanding, men and women of the word of God. So we can look at these, these three other three soils and just see the negative. But actually what you can do is turn it to the positive. Say, Lord, I will be a person of understanding. 
Lord, I will, my heart will not be stony. You've given me a heart of flesh. You've given me a new heart. How many know that in the new covenant, he says he's given you a new heart. He's removed the heart of stone. He's given you a heart of flesh, just meaning a heart that is soft. That the, the, the contrast, the opposite of stony, which is hard and it can't be penetrated. But you've given me a heart that is, that is malleable. A heart that is soft. A heart that is like yours. And then, Lord, I, I will have root within myself. And I will have endurance. I will endure. Because when tribulation comes because of the word that you've given to me, I will not stumble but I will stand steadfast and strong. And I, my, my ground would be good ground. My heart would be a good heart so that I will indeed bear fruit. 160 and 30. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was like one eighth of what I wanted to talk about. But uh, thank God, um, well, I'm not going to be like in James where it says I will go and sell and this, that and the other. Um, But Lord willing, we will uh, pick it back up and get into more of the examples of the kingdom of God as Jesus is representing it uh, to the people. Because remember, um, this is the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel of the kingdom. This is the gospel that he sent the disciples to preach. He says, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, um, and then tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Right. And so and this is the same gospel that he commanded them to teach us or commanded them to make sure that 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 the disciples that they make teaching them to observe and obey all things that Jesus commanded them. So this is the same gospel that he would have taught, that Peter would have taught, that Timothy would have taught. Amen. And so it's important for us to to understand this because this is the realm that we live in. This is, remember, we're, we're sojourners. We're citizens of another country, another place, another city, right? We're ambassadors. We're here as ambassadors, right? And maybe, maybe a, a, another time I'll get into the reality of what it means to be an ambassador of the kingdom or just, even just what an ambassador is. Um, but we have to see ourselves as such. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this powerful teaching. For more information about Dominion Life Church, you can locate us on the internet at dominionlifechurch.org or you can call us at 469-209-0946. Until next time, may you be a hearer and doer of the Word of God.